Well, hello everyone. This is Kim Davis again. Welcome to another one-on-one. I think we're going to have to change the title because the last few podcasts I seem to have actually been one-on-two. And I have two guests with me today. Kayla Wilson, who's Director of Programmatic Partnerships, and Clara Plonell, who's Director of Global Brand Marketing at InMobi. Welcome to both of you. And we're sitting in a rather rainy New York this afternoon, but um, in Moby, I know, and some of our regular readers will know, actually uh, launched, I think in 2007, in a much warmer and sunnier climate. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about that. So we launched in Bangalore, India, and uh, started out as a pretty small company and taking over the APAC region. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until later, about even uh, six years ago, that we moved into North America. Uh, So a little bit of a late starter, but caught up to all of our competition in a short amount of time. And via Europe as well, because I think you also have a European presence. Yes, we also have a European presence. Now, if anyone's uh, not familiar with it within Moby or in any doubt about their impact on the market, one fact I discovered um, is that in February nine, uh, sorry, nineteen fifteen, February <laughs> twenty fifteen, you became the first to reach over a billion unique mobile devices with your advertising, and I think you're up to about one and a half billion now. Right. Exactly. So our focus is on um, extending our SDK footprint with the apps we work with, uh, gaining new users, and because we're global, we're able to have such a large scale and reach for advertisers. And you must be one of the biggest in the world. I don't know if you're actually the biggest. The largest independent. Independent. Yeah, we're the okay. li- largest independent uh, mobile network. Okay. Yeah. So just... Give us a, an overview of what your offering is, because obviously you work with advertisers and publishers. Generally, what do you, what do you offer? Yeah, so we kind of have two streams of the way um, our offerings go. One is more performance, uh, app download, and then the other is our programmatic offering uh, that is powered by Rubicon Project. So we have a Mobi Exchange. It has all our transparent apps. Uh, you're able to access device IDs, see the app name, how, uh, how it's performing on, a, on an app-by-app basis. Mm-hmm. And that's used more for brand advertisers. Yep. So those are the two segments of the business. I work on the Inmobi Exchange, which is our programmatic offering. It's all in-app uh, inventory. Right. So the reason we decided to work purely with apps is because of the device IDs you get. Mm-hmm. Um, also because our SDK can be integrated into those apps. And we have a high penetration of our SDK in those uh, direct relationships. Therefore, we get uh, very strong geo signals. And uh, any kind of demo data that's passed, we get a lot of information about the handset version, oh, you know, operating system, etc. So we're able to take all of that information and uh, use that first-party data for our clients to buy against. Okay, so that makes a lot of sense. So it's not mobile sites, it's mobile apps mm-hmm. and collecting the first-party data, whatever people need to do when they sign up, they download an app, they get an invitation presumably to give information. Um, geolocation, is that kind of by permission only? How does that work? Exactly, yeah, yes. Yes, so only. everything, uh, location or uh, any kind of permission is um, 100% private, uh, privacy compliant. Got it. So uh, programmatic, that's obviously the opportunity to, to trade ads at a great speed and great scale and uh, finding the right price. Uh, what do you offer the publishers? 
on the supply side, mm -hmm. we offer them another uh, stream of revenue. So our exchange launched almost two years ago now, and this stream of revenue of buyers uh, shifting budgets over to programmatic, our supply is able to leverage both the performance dollars that are coming in from our network business and the programmatic brand dollars as well. So it's just more revenue for our supply partners. And the, one thing which strikes me is we talk about mobile advertising, and of course you have a general presence in mobile advertising, but increasingly, and I'm sure this won't come as a surprise to listeners, it's about video advertising, isn't it? That's a very important part of the business. Yes, correct. So there has been, that is the growth uh, we're seeing, so that's where we're putting all our efforts. Um, a lot of our biggest clients are shifting their dollars from banners, interstitials, over to full screen video executions. And therefore, we got ahead of this, uh, you know, back in Q1, um, Q4 of last year, building out more and more inventory that supports these high-performing units. Right. One of the biggest successes we had was in Q2, we launched packages that offer 80% plus completion rates of the entire length of the video. Uh -huh. So some offerings say that they're offering 100% completion rates, but if you really dig in, they're only offering it for the first quartile of the video being played. So it could be two seconds or five seconds. Okay. Our packages offer a full completion for the entire video, which is between 15 seconds to 30 seconds. Okay, now this is um, very much a contested area right now uh, when it comes to video advertising. Well, what's significant? I mean, simply the video opening in your browser or on your phone is not in itself significant. So when you're talking about the time people spend watching a video, I mean, how, do you, how do you go about getting a grip on what is valuable to an advertiser in terms of time spent? So I think in terms of time spent, um, in the in-app world at least, your interstitial, full-screen interstitial ad units traditionally come in between very natural breaks in your user experience. Okay. It's at the end of a level of a game, it's in between articles, etc. Natural break um, for the user. And when you're targeting with a video, if it's 15 seconds, which is what we recommend, mm -hmm. the sweet spot, it's a very entertaining way to get your message across to the user before they continue on to their next content. Right. Uh, an interstitial is also effective, but Nowadays, folks are into more snackable content, watching a quick video, getting that brand message, and then we also recommend at the end of the video, you have a full screen interstitial that shows up that um, kind of asks the user for more engagement. So it could be, you know, here's the video at the end, take a look at our website or have a download, um, any kind of call to action. Okay, and this is all happening in the app, so they've already got the app, of course. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And it, it seems to me that video advertising on mobile devices is in many ways very different from video advertising on regular web browsers because then you can have a video which has nothing to do with the content around it popping up on your screen and interfering with your experience. You must need to have something much which flows much more naturally and seamlessly on mobile, is that fair? Exactly. So the nice thing about mobile is it's a TV-like experience in the palm mm. of your hand. There's only one video playing at a time. It has the user's full attention. And if you are purchasing packages like 80% plus completion rates, then you know your message was viewed. All right. So right. it's a highly viewable unit, and that's why prices are actually rapidly increasing 
but um, the cost per completed view is declining. So it's still a great benefit to the advertiser to take advantage of mobile in-app video. Okay, so it's still very valuable for them. And um, let's talk a little bit more about the uh, collection of data because obviously you can get first-party data from people downloading apps. Uh, What other kinds of data do you look at when it comes to targeting advertising? Yes, so you could target um, location is a big one. I'd say that's used in the majority of campaigns. I would also say that uh, we just partnered with Nielsen Dar and Comscore VCE recently so that you can set up campaigns that are verified. Are you actually targeting a female? Are you actually targeting a male? And have those trustworthy third partners verify that on your behalf. So mm-hmm. those we also offer in a PMP environment. Okay. Private marketplace, right? Yeah, private marketplace. We we have a very efficient way of offering um, um, deals, so you could go directly uh, by our network, or or you can choose to to opt for a a private marketplace kind of buy. Got it. And something we were talking about briefly before the podcast started was device ID, and this is another very hot area. especially cross-device ID, being able to know that it's the same person watching something on a mobile phone and looking at something on a tablet and so on. Are you involved in that space? We're not. So there's some pretty established players. So you have a drawbridge, rocket fuel, tap ad that have those cross-device offerings. Um, That is not something we decided to focus on. We really wanted to just specialize at mobile in-app and become the best at it. Okay. Um, but you're offering your adver- sorry your advertisers the opportunity to uh, really quite target fairly granular segments. I, another thing we were talking about is that you don't necessarily find people on the apps where you might expect to find them. Exactly. Could you expand on that a little? Yes. Yeah, so we like to educate our clients that they should be searching for their users across all apps using device IDs and first-party data. So the example I can think of the most is we will get inquiries saying, hey, I want to run across all of your mom apps because uh, <laughs> we're trying to target moms. And while in theory that sounds great, actually a better way to do it is to leverage first-party data to look at the audience and say, is this the right user? Is this a mom? And she might be playing Candy Crush or she might be on a news app or she might not even visit mom, quote-unquote mom sites. Uh, those might be, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's just a, a better way of leveraging the data you have in order to target the right user. And that's something which actually hadn't occurred to me before. It's a great insight. If you're not doing cross-device ID, you're actually doing cross-app ID, aren't you? You know this person X is on a series of different apps, correct? As long as our SDK is integrated Mm -hmm. in those apps, yes, we will receive that information and be able to build some patterns with our data sciences team. Okay, and build out user profiles? That's exactly right. So we take into account uh, location, historical patterns of location, what type of apps they've used, mm-hmm. what kind of ads they've clicked on from our, right. uh, you know, our uh, clients, and then take a, take a bigger look and say, okay, now what kind of device do they have, what kind of operating system, and even language setting. Yep. You know, do they have their language? Are they living in the U.S. but have it on Cantonese? That'll tell us a lot about that user, and uh, we refresh those profiles every 24 hours. What's the device type? There's a 
combination of aspects you can uh, take in, into consideration to build audiences. And, and you must um, must also be collecting on the data on when people are most likely to be on the app and most likely to be looking at this content as well. Sure. Right? So we like Clara puts out these amazing reports for us, which shows you know when users are spending the most time engaging with ads, engaging with their phone, when's the best time to target mm-hmm. them. And those are all great practices that we give to our clients. And are there consistent results across the board, or do you find different demographic segments on the apps at different times? Uh, we definitely have different times of the day where, it's, uh, where certain ad formats will uh, work better. Uh, I think as Kayla said, uh, for video specifically, it's more like a matter of uh, targeting well, but also working on your creative. So, you know, you have, it doesn't matter what time of the day, you have a good performance, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you add an end card uh, where you can aggregate, you know, your branding goals with your uh, performance goals and make it in one uh, ad unit. Um, so yeah, there are there are different uh, uh, behaviors. Definitely, uh, for instance, we talk if we talk about uh, gamers, mm-hmm. you would some some would expect you know oh just teenagers or you know kids are playing. Right. No, not necessarily. Moms are avid uh, mobile game players. Uh, so you know, and we have partnered with uh, with several different uh, with the IAB with the MMA and we keep investigating uh, behavior in order to recommend best practices. Okay, and are you using uh, DMP partners to do this, or are you doing that all in-house? Uh, you mean the investigations, or, or...? They're collecting the data and chopping and slicing and dicing it. Uh, we usually work with, uh, well, we work with Nielsen Dar oh, yeah. for all of our audience uh, verification. Yeah. We, we work with Comscore as well. Okay. Um, we are recently working with uh, Mode and IAS. Um, yeah, so we're working with all of the verification partners that we yeah. can, that our product can keep up with. Yeah. <laughs> so we are rolling out very shortly IAS and Mode uh, verification for viewability for video. I see. That's the hottest topic right now is... Okay, so we've got the completion rates, but I want some third-party verification that it was viewable. And it's interesting because Moat has many different definitions that you can take Mm -hmm. on what viewability means. So I I think they have at least over 10. 10, yeah. Yeah, so it's important that we and everybody else ask their clients, which definition will you be measuring us against when you're using Moat? or IAS, et cetera. So you want to make sure that you, like, as best practice, clarify that up front so you're measuring. It's just the way you would clarify what the KPI for a campaign is. Make sure you understand the expectation, what you're being held accountable for, and perform against that. But you can educate me a little here because when I think of viewability, I actually today had the experience. I was looking at a website, and some video started playing. I couldn't find it. And I, I was trying to switch it off, but I couldn't. And it probably played through, so they, they've got a view through. Right. I don't even know what the video is for. But that might, is that a problem on mo- mobile as well? Sure. So, uh, okay, so in, in Mobi recognize this issue. Mm-hmm. And what it is is the ad, there's kind of three parts to the ad being served. So you have the ad is served, it's loaded, mm-hmm. then it renders. 
right. A lot of people count the ad being rendered actually on the served or the loaded, which is the experience you had where the ad was served, it might have loaded, but then you couldn't see it because yes. it didn't render. So yeah, so we yeah. were kind of the first to come to counting on rendered, and we are huge proponents of making sure you know everybody should be counting on rendered, and we educate our clients. You should make sure whatever DSP you're using, they're definitely only billing you on rendered. Right, because unrendered is the content's not really... It might not even be viewable. Okay. Exactly. Well, we have um, figures in front of me. Um, Video ad consumption grew by over 125% in six months within Mobi. So this space is growing very, very rapidly, isn't it? Yes, and and most of the growth is happening within the private marketplace deals that we've Mm -hmm. set up for the high completion rate packages. Right. Uh, So even though we guarantee at least 80% completion rates, we actually end up delivering about 90%, 95% completion rates. And that's because we mix in um, non-skippable video with rewarded video. Rewarded video? Exactly. So we'll dive into that because there's uh, rewarded video sounds kind of negative. It sounds like gaming. And some Mm. people even confuse it with incentivized, which was banned many years ago. So rewarded video is where I'm presented with an option. So, um, you know, I finish a level in a game, let's say, and my options are to buy some coins to, you know, help me in the next level. Or I could skip a level if I watch a 15-second video. I see, yeah. So I opt to watch that video. At the end of that video, I'm not required to do anything else. Mm -hmm. I can just continue playing my game. Okay. So in a way, rewarded video, it's one of my favorite ways of delivering a message because you're empowering the user to make a choice. Yes. Do they want to participate in viewing your message or do they not? Right. And if you're getting a reward back, it's a nice um, exchange. Okay. Well, this clearly is uh, not only a fast-growing space, but a space with with many little nuances and details. And we're going to be exploring it more in the future, but... I think we're just about out of time. So, uh, Kayla and Clara, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. And everyone, please keep your eyes open for the next one-on-one or two or three podcasts. Thanks for joining us.